You're listening to Simmering Thoughts, where we serve up slow-cooked thinking on Christian life and theology. I'm your host, Ryan Akers. This week, we conclude not only our conversation with Dave Hughes as we look at the integrity of man, the integration of the various parts of man, but we also conclude our series on anthropology. It has been a great deal of fun for me and a learning experience, and I hope you've enjoyed it too. And with that, it is time for you to grab your favorite beverage, grab yourself a snack, and find a seat so that you can enjoy this episode of Simmering Thoughts. We can go through life without understanding this, but we can go through life better with understanding it. And we can do a better job of, of being that one another to someone else. If we have at least a basic, uh, have thought about the idea that we are made of parts, but those parts are integrated and they are, they are, there's a a unification between those things. Uh, there's, there's, I don't want to say that's the reason that prayer works is because it's a unified thing. And, you know, God works through the fact that we're unified and the fact that we have these parts that are unified. God works through that to be a part of the answer of that prayer. You know, the, the act of, we all understand this feeling when you're in that immediate moment and, and you're feeling this, the one who's under distress. If you're the one who stops and prays, even if it's for yourself, there is a calming effect to prayer in those moments, whether that is a, whether that is God, immediately in that moment dispensing to you grace or whether that is you recognizing that there is a God, I am not that God Mm -hmm. and I need to be in front of that God praying for Mm -hmm. his, uh, his uh, relief of my situation. Uh, Those are both possible at the same moment. You know, I'm calming because I know, I know who God is and I can rely on, you know, what's the, the, the line, uh, God is my rock in him. I take refuge. So I run to the Mm -hmm. rock in that distress and it calms me knowing who God is, that he is, he has my, uh, my best, you know, that's the end of what Romans eight there, you know, Mm -hmm. nothing's going to separate us from God's love. You can't break that. Yeah. So I take comfort in that. Now I calm down. Okay. Now my adrenaline level changes, my heartbeat changes, my blood pressure changes. Mm -hmm. And as a result, I don't bleed as much. And because I'm not yeah. bleeding as much, I'm not as in critical condition as much. I don't respond in as much shock because yeah. I've taken it to God. And and it looks like, and it may be a direct answer to prayer, but it's also the physiological way we've been designed at the same time. Yeah. And and yeah. I think sometimes we we try to segment our creation and, and prayer from each other so often. And we forget that sometimes God's answer to to our prayer is his presence. And that's one yeah. of those times where we, in prayer, take ourselves before the throne and we enter the throne room before God and his presence is a calming presence and is an answer to our yeah. prayer to begin with. It's a really yeah. kind of a weird, um, it's it's not really a circle or a cycle. It's just a, a, a do, it, I don't want to say duality either because that's not the right term. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, it is so hard to be precise. Uh, but I mean, it's, it's yeah. that idea that where there's two functions happening that are symbiotic at the same moment and they're not distinguishable. Yep. Uh, and it's very much like what we're talking about with the humanity, humanity being integrated. I am not saying that man and God are integrated. <laughs> so please right. don't hear heresy here. That's not what I'm saying because God is answering our prayer through the way we're created in some right. part. And, and if there's one thing that the, 
uh, creation story, at least as it pertains to humankind, tells us is that God cares about and is intimately invested in the whole thing. Right. You know, God spoke most all of creation into existence. There was one thing he didn't speak into in existence. God took and he formed right. man from what he'd already made. There's an intentionality there. He breathed life into to man's lungs. God took it. He, he took from Adam's rib and he formed, he brought, you know, there's, there's an intentionality and an intimacy there with the whole of our, our being. The idea of um, breathing uncanny. life into. Yeah. I mean, there, <laughs> that right there, the idea of God breathing life into man. He mm-hmm. spoke yeah. life and creation, but he breathes mm-hmm. life into man. That difference as well as the forming versus speaking. Uh, are both huge. I was think as you as you brought that into mind, it, it drew my mind into the uh, Sermon on the Mount and the idea of why should you not worry? Uh, what are we told? Consider the flowers, consider the birds. God cares for these, even though He spoke them into existence. He cares for those. How much more does He care for you, who He breathes life into? Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's it it is one of those things that you know. The more we we consider this. Um, yeah, like you said, it changes, it changes a lot of things for us theologically in terms of how we address our problems, how we look at problems with other people within ourselves and, you know, um, weird, wonderfully and just beautifully made. Yeah. I'd say fearfully, but I can't, I can't find a, a a link from fearfully to your nervous system, but (laughs) (laughs) But it's, you know, I mean like um, but you know, we, we really are, we're, we're incredibly designed by a God who's also amazingly intricate and complex and integrated. And so it's, and, and to take that to that theological end, there's been a, I want to say a resurgence, but it's probably because I'm aware of it now and mm-hmm. I wasn't aware of it before. So it may not be a resurgence. It may just be, uh, that there is a, a reiteration of a, 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 a look at the simplicity of God. Uh, we've spent a lot of years. It seems to me that there's been a lot of discussion about the, uh, the attributes of God as a collection mm-hmm. and as individual things, yeah. but there's been a, a, an increased discussion. It seems to me, especially in the last few years of the unity of those attributes and yeah. how those things are simple. You can't take one part away from God and him still be God. That's not right. God is just simple. He is. And these are the things that are because he is. And, uh, when you take that and you, you think through that and you think through the way we are made again, we see that image of God showing up, uh, in so many yeah. ways. Um, and, and again, I mean, that takes us right back to the garden and with sin, how that is one of the things that happened to us. Um, uh, and, yeah. and it plays out in so many different places. I think one of the questions I have is, is at this point, almost a, because we don't do such a great job of this in community uh, what are some things uh, just to, to really make this individually practical ish mm-hmm. um, as we are studying and praying and digging into the word um, what are some things that you see as a uh, theological devotional response especially the devotional side of a response to the word mm-hmm. that that helps us to realize and and put feet to this idea of us being integrated and how we, how we're able to use our study of the word to become 
And it's, it's not even, I don't even think it's something that we can do for ourselves. It's a mindset right, it's a prayer yeah. aspect toward the spirit where the spirit is working in us through our prayer and through our intention to make us whole. Uh, yeah. To that, the idea of being more Christ-like, the idea of being integrated and whole yeah. uh, before the Lord. Uh, what is it? The those who may those who may ascend the mountain are those that are that are pure at heart. Those that have clean hands. Those who that that are that are one. Um, how, yeah. How does that fly? Um. So I would say, for one thing, um, we start to talk about what is the role of of sanctification in all this, mm-hmm. and this gets at an important question for people in in my end of the field, which is, you know, when we're talking about mental health. And then we have to talk, you know, between believers and non-believers. We start to talk about, okay, so what's the interaction of sanctification and mental health? Yes. Um, I think that's, know, that's and, really and, the, the pivot of my question is how do we, right. how do we, how do we, and I hate to say, how do we work in sanctification? Because that bugs me as a, as a phrase, but right. okay. at the same time, how do we work in our, I mean, we're, we're working out, yeah. we're working out our salvation with fear and trembling as we do that in this context, I think. And you did a great job of pivoting that and putting words into my mouth excellently. <laughs> I know where you're going with this, right? But it, yeah, no. So, okay, so when we talk about this, and, and in community and, and individually, we're um, growing in Christ-likeness, hopefully. Um, what does that start to look like? Um, and should I always see a direct correlation between the two? Because I'm not sure that we will. Yeah. Um, so, you know, does the person who struggles with severe anxiety um, to the degree that it gets a diagnosis and it's like you are two standard deviations beyond the mean, right. you know, not like 98% of the population um, that, you know, if that person never really gets healed of that, if they, maybe they use medication, maybe they go to therapy, maybe they just struggle with it their whole lives and God never takes it away. What does sanctification look like for that person? Right. And, and I would say that part of it is in acknowledging and understanding that this is some of my experience, that this is some of the brokenness that I experience in my body, in my mind, and that what describes me does not get to define me, that just like all of me completely in that integrated self was broken, all of me completely is loved by God and, and has been and is being and will be redeemed by him and made new. Um, and so my understanding of myself isn't defined by the dysfunction of this one little part of that, that disintegration. Um, I would say that one of the most important, um, things for believers to really bring into our awareness and practice is just looking for where are we tempted to, or where can we tend to flatten our explanation into one or a couple areas or leave it out of an area. Um, you know, it, <laughs> it, your pastor may be on fire every Sunday morning, may be able to preach the paint off the walls. He does need more than four hours of sleep a night. Yeah. Um, in order to function, <laughs> you know, things like this where it's yeah. like, Hey, you laugh, but I've met some guys. So I'm like, I'm, Ooh, bro. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I know quite a few people who think they, they can survive on five hours of sleep and be at peak. And I, yeah, no. <laughs> so, you know, just looking at and being honest about like, where are the areas where I tend to flatten this? Do I tend to try to make everything volition? Mm-hmm. You just need to believe the gospel more, you know, rub some Romans eight twenty eight on it with or without context. You'll be, 
prosperity <laughs> gospel uh, medicine right there. Had to. <laughs> right? <laughs> shake it a little, little salt shaker, some prosperity gospel in there, here's, right? Here's a little um, salve of James 3 or whatever it is, you know. <laughs> yeah. You know, tend to lean that direction. You like tend to lean the direction where there's no volition and everything is happening to me. That's just my body. That's just my personality. That's just my whatever. That's Satan attacking uh, me. It's because I'm, it, yeah, it's Satan attacking me and the fact that I'm an Enneagram 14. I'm an, <laughs> you know, whatever it is. I don't know. I'm with I, you. I'm not an Enneagram person, but. I'm not, in on the whole, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not huge on the whole personality test phenomenon. Right. And the reason I'm not is because I have sensed my personality has changed so much since I was mm. uh, even a young adult. Um, yeah. you know, what, how I, I'm feeling even in the last five to 10 years, a significant shift from my, and, and we use introvert, altrovert as such of a, a measuring for some reason. Um, yeah. and, and I'm sensing my own self changing in those things. I used to be primarily an extrovert, somebody who would, um, I, I was on it in a crowd and yeah. it would, yeah. I would, I would be so high in the crowd and then I'd get off by myself and I'd crash. And now I'm finding that if I don't have those times by myself, I crash. <laughs> because yeah. If I don't take the time to have 20 to 30 minutes in the morning and an hour after school to just, yeah. just me. <laughs> and yeah. if I don't do that, I crash. And I didn't used to be that way. When I was 18, I could sit in the dorm lobby 20 hours a day and I would be totally fulfilled with the conversations that are, you know, being engaged in deep conversations and thinking Yeah. without, without having that personal sense of loss. Now I wasn't getting my sleep and that was a problem, but the, the idea of the, when we look at the introvert, altrovert, most people talk about where do you feel uh, plugged in and, and get fuel and you know, which one drains you, which one refuels you for me, getting refueled was being with people and conversing, whether it's online or yeah. in person. And, uh, so, you know, now as I'm getting older, I'm finding that I'm flipping that script. Well, is that sanctification working in me? Is that me growing right. in grace or is that me just getting old? Um, and yeah. and is that is that a vestige of sin in me or is that God working in me? I'm not going to say that it's Satan working. It's not Satan tempting right. me to something. It's it's a genuine thing that's happening as I get older. I'm becoming more introspective. I'm becoming uh, more aware of myself even. Uh, and I think that's part of the process that I'm, I'm feeling and that I'm noticing yeah. even from the, from, you know, personal data that I have over the years, you know, I know what used to pump me up and now I know what drains me and you right. know, that it's clear, um, you know, I, it's, it's a, it's a weird phenomenon to notice yourself catching your personality change. Um, and, yeah. and even having, even as a, as a youth, having the opportunity when I moved and I moved three times through middle school and high school. And each time I moved, I realized because of having gone through the therapy I did after my brother died, I realized that mm -hmm. these people don't have a clue who I am. What are the parts of my personality that aren't working? Well, these are, I can, I can work to change that without preconceived notions yeah. from somebody else. And so I can actually improve my personality yeah. in this process. And it wasn't entirely successful, but I I, I was able to recognize things that I thought were less than 
uh, peak, <laughs> less than good yeah. within myself and have the opportunity to know that I, I have a chance here of adjusting some things and growing. And we should be growing like that. And it's so hard. I, I Living and teaching in a small town, I, I like to tell the kids that be careful your reputation because the reputation you have in high school is the reputation you're going to have 30 years from now because you live in small town America. There's no anonymity yeah. here. You, you don't get to hide in the community. There's no such thing. There's 2,500 yeah. people. Who are you going to hide from? Everybody knows. Yeah. And if they don't know the people that move in, they're going to be told, oh, I went to school with him. You know what he was when that's exactly what the conversation goes as. Uh, I can't tell you how many band parents I've had talking to band parent A about the parent of child B. Oh, I went mm -hmm. to school with them. They were, hmm. So they expect the child to be yeah. bad. Even. I mean, the child is punished with the parent's reputation because that's yeah. the way humans do things. We assume A equals B, even when it doesn't. Yeah. And, and, and protecting that, protecting that reputation, protecting, you know, building the personality. I mean, that's what that's to some degree. That's what the self-help movement is really all about is building the personality yeah. you think you should have <laughs> to a degree. Yeah. And, and, and to some degree, that's what our, our, I mean, we're, we're seeking the Holy spirit to do that in sanctification, take away the right. old man, put off the old man, put on the new man. I should reflect my right. savior. That's that same conversation, but a different motivation and, and mechanism, I think. I think too, one way that we can look at sanctification, um, and it, in respect in respect to personality, yeah, right, it is is that sanctification, and I don't always think personality is the most helpful construct for us to define our our experiences, right. people. But to the degree that you know we do, I think um, it, it tends to it, disintegrate rather than integrate. Yeah, well, in sanctification is not a prescription for personality, I would say. Right. But it's going to show you what being that person, that trauma survivor, that abuse survivor, that person with bipolar or generalized anxiety disorder in the most Christ-like way in your circumstances looks like. Right. So, I mean, you, you read, um, there's a really good um, piece written by Charles Spurgeon called The Minister's Fainting Fits. Hmm. It was in Lectures to My Students. And some of the way he describes and talks about his own depression, just make it abundantly clear that um, there is a way to be healthy, to be spiritually healthy, psychologically, emotionally well and flourishing and still experience some of that disintegration and some of that dis-ease mm -hmm. um, that comes along with living between Genesis 3 and Revelation 21, you yeah. know. Um, so that's definitely in terms of, you know, sanctification of personality i think that's what i'd say is there, yes it's going to affect it and not in that it, everyone's aimed at one particular personality set right whether you would classify yourself as an introvert an extrovert or whatever um you know it, it's about being whatever you is the the version of you that reflects christ most you yeah know? but and that growth is uh sometimes by fits and starts <laughs> and, yeah, okay. and sometimes in big yeah. leaps or big falls even. Uh, and that's one yeah. of the things it's fascinating uh, Spurgeon in particular to me. And I haven't done the deep study on him and you know, all the biographies and everything, but it, just the, 
the the storyline that we have of his life uh, from those that have done the work, the biographers themselves, as they speak of him, seeing him in the under, especially with the mental health understanding that was present when he was alive compared to what mm. we understand today. Yeah, he had a remarkable self-awareness of who he was and where he was and how he looked in the light of God and was able to communicate that in a way that is uh, there aren't a lot of folks that are capable of even today of of doing that, of recognizing where they are with their own depression and being able to right. speak through that depression <laughs> in a way that the non-depressed can understand it and can see yeah. and can I mean, it's just a remarkable thing. And I know there are others that that are in that boat. He is just one in particular that stands out in history yeah. as somebody who had that awareness. And I think to a degree. Um, even Paul, uh, I mean, you, you see him narrate through the trauma that he's been through and you see him narrate the, the, the thorn in the flesh. We have, what is that? Is that a real flesh thing or is that, well, we're an integrated body. It really doesn't matter. That thorn is still there. And so as, as we see that, you know, as he narrates his way through that and what sanctification looks like, even for him, um, that is a helpful thing to us to look at. And I think that's a, a, it's, it's cool that you brought that up and brought him up, brought Spurgeon up uh, as someone that, that spoke that well. I think it, it does us well to see people who do these things well, uh, even if it's yeah. a different deal than what we're dealing with. You know, my, my primary, yeah. my primary deal is the ADHD. The secondary thing is mm-hmm. uh, the anxiety that's caused by not being able to focus on anything and a yeah. few other yeah. things. Uh, but you know, the, the, those comorbid, uh, personality things or, or not even personality, just the comorbid things that come with ADHD. Yep. Um, it's yeah. being able to see somebody deal with, with this while I am dealing with this, they yeah. do kind of mirror in some ways, uh, the process. It may not be the same ladder that I climb, but I'm still climbing. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm still taking steps up my own ladder and it might, it's going to look up somewhat similar at least. Yeah. I mean, when I can see somebody else in my church community, in my small group, um, who is able to say it's not perfect. I've, I've prayed about this. I've rubbed some Romans 828 on it. It's not going away. And there's a way for me to follow Christ and and still know that God's not done with me, that Jesus is still oh. working on me. The, the Holy Spirit is still conforming me into the image of Christ and I have ADHD. Yeah. I'm a trauma survivor. I have anxiety. I have depression. And and it's not this then this thing that describes us. Right. Isn't the thing that defines us. The thing that defines you know? me is I'm a saint being sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Here are the ways. Yep. Here's the symptom that you can see that I'm being sanctified right here. You see this right here? Yeah. This is where sin is <laughs> affecting me the most and yeah. This is God's not working on that right now, but he's going to He's working on it in parts. Yeah. I'm getting better. I'm not there. And, and yeah. oh man, that is such a that is such a beautiful reality to be able to share yeah. that. And that's what and you think about the the, the testimony night. Some folks uh, are, get really nervous when somebody grabs a microphone and starts talking in front of the church and sharing their testimony in such circumstances because sometimes bad bad theology comes out of that. But at the same yeah. time, I think it's important to have those narrations in our in our lives and see others you know there's a uh i've mentioned in the last episode uh one of our widows at church who's dealing with 
cancer. And her look at what God was doing in and through her body and in and through her faith and her walk in that process is such a witness to the rest of the church that nobody, oh, yeah. nobody was grieving. We're celebrating the whole time because yeah. what's she doing the whole time? She keeps saying, well, I'm not quite perfect. I'm not, but I know that if he takes me, I'm with him and that's a bargain and I'm good with that and yeah. it's okay. And yes, this is a, is not fun to deal with and the medicine stinks and I've lost all my hair, but I love God and he's got me and he's going to bring me to him in perfection and I can live with that. Yeah. And, and just that attitude has been such a blessing to the whole church body uh, that it's lifted yeah. us all up. Even though she's suffering in cancer, she's lifting the body up through that. Yeah. It's a remarkable thing. And an answer to prayer with that, I want to mention, she got a scan back. I posted the episode Monday night. As I was going mm. through the process of posting the episode, I got a text. She had seen her doctor 100% cancer free. Wow. And it's just like... nice. Really? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so, I mean, uh, wow. speaking of answered prayer, I mean, right in front of our nose, uh, she just yeah. had surgery and, and they were talking about additional chemotherapy pills and she no longer has, she doesn't even have to think about that medicine because it's clear. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing the answers to prayer we get. Sometimes God answers your prayers with a good oncologist. That's I'm exactly right. That, that is <laughs> what happens. God is like, I know exactly who to send. Don't yeah, worry. Absolutely. I've uh, So no, no joke, this is kind of a side. You might end up editing it, it, it <laughs> out. But when I, was in, when I was in grad school, I was working in a community counseling center and I wasn't in private practice like I am now, where now I can work with Christians. I have an informed consent sign right. they, they sign and we can integrate theology and prayer or whatever, talk about scripture and session with treatment. And at this community counseling center, I couldn't do that. So None of my clients knew that I was a Christian. Right. Um, and I, I was actually with this one young lady who was working through some of her anxieties and was counseling her. Um, and she actually came to faith in Christ um, because she, a friend had invited her to this community group. And tangentially, I'm hearing all these things right. as we're just working with her anxiety. And in working with her anxiety and, and talking about her community and everything else, um, had this opportunity to... Um, really get into, even though we didn't name theology, but really notice how her emerging spiritual self was interacting with her anxiety. Yeah, and and it was really cool. And I, I often think to myself, I'm like, what are the odds? Yeah, that's you know? fantastic. I, like I, <laughs> I didn't do much, but I played my part. You yeah. know, and it's, it's sometimes that's so, that's <laughs> wonderful here. God works in some, um, he works in ways we, we look for the miracle in around this corner, but it's around the yeah. other corner where we're not looking where the miracle often comes and we're not expecting it yeah. there. And then we finally see it and it's like, Oh, well, duh, I should have been looking there. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah. and, and that comes, I mean, there's so many contexts we can find that and, and bring that in. But, um, it, it is, it is amazing as I've, I've gone through this look at anthropology and it's, it's not that I, it's that I think this discussion, the reason I chose this particular series is because I see so many of the discussions we're having 
on social media and in the church and in the literature of the church that, you know, the, the authors that are writing back and forth at each other and around each other. And the conversation is in so many ways, if we would, if we would spend some, some of our time, even in all of these discussions, speaking of theology proper and anthropology and how they relate Mm -hmm. to that situation specifically, I think we would have better ways of speaking to those issues with the outside world because we're speaking in we're speaking in theology but we're speaking in theology as we understand it in terms of our own experiences as opposed to to looking at the generalization of man as a as a unit as as anthropology looks at man and at theology proper as as who is god and as we as we apply those two things together and apply that to our lives we start to understand yeah. better. And I think it brings into focus how we deal with abuse and that whole swing of things that we're talking about in mental health, yeah. but also even the uh, disordered realities that we have in terms of sexuality. You know, as you look at, we, we complain about the hypersexualized society we live in. I think that is a symptom of a disintegration of man. Um, and, and our affections in all the different ways that it plays out. I'm not just looking at the, the, uh, topic du jour of, of, uh, mm-hmm. pornography or, or even LGBT items and how that deals with what the average human sexuality is and, and what is sinful and what is not, mm-hmm. not even looking right. necessarily at those things, just at the hypersexual nature that we have in society. Yeah. How many shows can you watch before seeing something sexual brought up? It's almost yep. zero. It's almost zero. I I was so frustrated with Game of Thrones for the first four episodes because HBO turned it into, you know, a really good story interrupted by soft porn, basically, for every few scenes. It was horrible. But you're absolutely right. It is things like this. When we look at phenomena like um, hypersexualization um, in, in any form, you know, when we look at my sexual self is the most essential part of myself. Yeah. Or we were talking and or we work. mentioned from the last you know, transhumanism, where yeah. the information in my brain is the important part, and the body is just the, the vessel that I transport it to. Anytime we take one part and say, this is the important part, we're breaking away from that Genesis 1 moment right. where God took, formed, and breathed, and, and had an intimacy and intention for the whole being, you know? I, I, as the work addict, the drug addict, you know, that my feelings are the most important part of me. And so I'm, I yeah. feel bad. I feel good when I get drunk or I feel good when I get high. So I'm going to seek that out because that's, what's important to take care of. Or right. I, my bank account, the work, some work addicts are about the bank account and some work addicts are yep. about the feeling of usefulness that comes from work. And yep. those are, again, those are all things where they're, they're hyper-focused in one aspect of who they are rather than the holistic part. Uh, and I don't yeah. use the holistic part in terms of holistic healing that you hear from so many folks, right. different use. I'm, I'm, I'm speaking as a system, as we look at the human as a system, as a whole system rather than integrated parts. So often we integrate, we disintegrate ourselves yeah. because of a reaction to a trauma. Uh, and I think you were kind yeah. of getting to this. It's, it's a, it's a, to a degree of self-medication that the system does on its own. Sometimes yeah. as a result of temptation, sometimes as a result yeah. of sin, just as a fall nature, and yeah. sometimes just as a, uh, in some cases, it's a chemical trigger that leads to yeah. those other things. Yeah, absolutely. 
Man, there's been a lot in this episode. <laughs> Do you think we've covered enough, Ryan? I don't, I don't know. know, man. We're <laughs> for those. I'm going to leave this part in. We are at at one hour, sixteen minutes, and somewhere between ten and twenty seconds at this point okay. of recording. And I, we have been in probably six or seven different fields of study in that yeah. time. It's awesome. I love it. Uh, Theological anthropology matters. <laughs> it does. And it, and it, it spiders into so many different areas that we don't, because we don't sit and we're not circumspect about such things. Right. We, we miss these things. And I think that's the, that's probably the thing that I'm learning more as I get older is that and I, it used to be that it was wordplay. I would hear a word I didn't know, and then I would take a day or three, and I would run that word through every language I could think of, and every root and usage that was anything close to it, and try to mm-hmm. reason the etymology. How did we get this word from that? Yeah. Is this where that came from? Is there a way that this is part of how we got there? And, you know, etymology isn't a, a single stream source. It's much like a river; it branches out as you go further upstream, and and consolidates downstream and so you know what part of that word comes from there which which of these three definitions for this word come from there and why yeah and and as we start to do that with other systems and as i'm growing older i'm doing that with more and more things politics it's amazing to me how the 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 way the politics and arts and and popular idea of psychology pop psychology combined with government and arts the, th- the yeah. way those things integrate through history and cycle around each other and the, you know, the pe- it's really more pendulum swings than it is cycle. Um, yeah, it, it's a different, different function, but the way that interacts to me is so fascinating. Somebody asked, um, uh, the other day, if you were to get a doctorate, what would it be in? And for me, I couldn't, I couldn't imagine being so focused on a, on a, on that little sliver. For me, it would have to be something <laughs> that broad as the interaction yeah. of, of, of the political thought, the, the theological uh, dominant thought of the day, along with the artistic expression of that that shows up in society. Uh, because when you see chaos in art, you see chaos in society. When you see yeah. clarity in art, there's a clarity in society that tends to mirror it, but it also reveals its shortcomings at the same time. Uh, and yeah, mm-hmm. we can sit back and sit and, and, and analyze that from a distance from behind, uh, that you can't analyze your present in. And so, and so for me, if I'm going for a doctorate, it's got to be in something like that, how those three things yeah. swirl and play, uh, whether it's in, in one society or a, a larger picture of, of human society, it's it's it swirls around itself so much. And really, when you even think about those three things with the politics, the order of politics, the way we recognize mm-hmm. ourselves through conceptions of, of psychology and the way we express ourselves through the arts, those three things are still demonstrating the un- unity of the human spirit that we're talking yeah. about in this episode. I mean, it all, it all works together mm-hmm. and I don't even have a full picture of it. I just have a sketch of it in my head, <laughs> but I mean, I'm seeing it yeah. line up and it's like when you see so many pieces of the puzzle go together, even if you're missing a couple from the box, you can still get an idea what the picture is. And that's kind of yeah. where I am. I don't have all the depth of knowledge, but I can see the picture forming with the, with the lines that are drawn and it's fascinating yeah. to me. And that's, that's part of what this is, is growing out of. And, and this discussion is, I mean, it's, it's above my scientific brain. Um, but at the same time, it's, it's at a level 
I hope that it's a level that folks that are just starting to think about this are going to be able to, to put some pieces together and start to um, approach their reading and their, their spiritual life a little bit differently to, yeah. uh, to really even inform your prayer life. Um, to, to, yeah. to take these ideas and say, God, this is what I'm noticing of myself. I'm feeling disintegrated. Put, put Humpty Dumpty back together again, because yeah. you're the only one who can do it. The, the, the king's horses and men can't do it, but the king can, and you're the king. Yeah. So put me back together. Um, give yeah. me, what is it? Give me clean hands. Give me pure heart. Um, that's yeah. one of our prayers that we can take from the Psalms to the father. Um, yeah. And man, there's so much there, so much there. <laughs> Is there anything I want to say? Thank you for being on. This is, this feels like a good spot to kind of wrap the episode up. Yeah. We're at hour twenty right now, almost twenty one. Uh, I want to say okay. thank you, Dave, for coming on because we didn't really have a, a lot of lead time on this. We've been talking about it for around a week or so, and just decided yesterday yeah. to schedule it or Tuesday. And uh, but yeah, that's not? okay. Uh, it's been yeah. a fantastic discussion. Uh, I have been I have learned a lot, but also I've had a lot that I thought kind of consistent. Uh, consolidated is probably the best term there uh, that that's kind of yeah. congealed around some ideas and uh, gives me things to go think about. And that's, that's really my hope as much for anybody uh, is that, that is, this is a simmering thoughts. So there's a reason we call it that because I want you to take <laughs> the things you hear and you know, it's homework for the rest of the week to go and, and to let these yeah. things simmer through your brain and to take them to scripture, take them to prayer, take them to real life and, and work them together. I should say physical life, not real life. Cause the spiritual life is just as yeah. real. Um, mm-hmm. in some cases it's more real than, than our physical life. Uh, sorry yeah. to go Plato on everybody there for a second. Uh, <laughs> it's more real now. Uh, but at the same time, uh, is there anything you want to add just as a closing thought, uh, maybe a, a direction for, for folks to, to use as a thing to think about? Um, yeah, no, I would I would say that the more just the more space that we allow for us to understand understand ourselves as a whole being and to know and to understand that that God loves all of you, cares about all of you. That, like there's not a part of you that Jesus isn't pursuing to rec- mm. reconcile with himself. Yeah. You know, there there isn't a part of you that God is like, yeah, but you know, your body over there, uh, your cycle, just rub some more rooms at 28 on it. You'll be fine. Colossians or, kinda, you know, kinda read that. a self-help book. And <laughs> the, the, passage, the Christological statement of Colossians at the end, uh, mm-hmm. he's, um, uh, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile everything to himself. Yeah. Whether things on yeah. earth or things in heaven by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Yeah. I mean, there's that right there says exactly. There is not a part of me that God doesn't wish to reconcile to himself. Yeah. So, and, and really just sitting with that alone by itself, yeah. um, opens up a lot of space for, for, um, us to see, uh, our own health, our own well being, um, in different lights and different lenses, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, man, dude, Brian, thanks so much for having me on the the show. I greatly appreciate it. It was good to just like talk to you in real life, too, yeah. not in tweets. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> Twitter is the most interesting phenomenon because there are some folks that you can tell don't varnish themselves for Twitter. They're just them, <laughs> right? And then there's some folks that you can see, you can watch that that they've got a a self perceived role that they play on Twitter. And yeah. they play that role 98% of the time. And then every once in a while they'll, they'll, they'll 
take the roll off for just a second and it's usually after they've messed something up they'll take off their roll and you can see that that's not they're not playing fully what they're thinking on twitter yeah and uh it's it's fascinating to watch that you are not one of those people i hope not to be one of those people i'm basically who i am on simmering thoughts and who i am on twitter is who i am i mean this is me in the classroom this is me if i'm i'm leading worship or whatever i'm doing at the time uh this this is my brain is constantly spinning things that's one of the curses of of adhd is i'm constantly spinning something somewhere sometimes i'm spinning five or six plates at the same time um but that's the way it goes and uh, I, I just love these kind of discussions where we can get in and and I don't like playing in the dirt physically, but I love playing in mental dirt and and yeah. and messing with it and getting my hands dirty that way. I cannot stand the feeling of dirt on my hands. Drives me nuts. <laughs> I have a that's one of my sense. That's again, that's the sensory part of ADHD playing out. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, but at the same time, it's it's a fascinating uh, it's it's fun to look at myself in through all of these lenses and learn more about yeah. how I function. Um, and I think that's part of, of, of what you're talking about is that we learn how we function first of all, and then how we function mm-hmm. with relationship to Christ and how we can do yeah. that more. I'd, I'd love that, that thought process. Um, and I think that is a wrap up is kind of the, the, the place to head is I'm applying it to myself. What I'm going to be thinking about is how that, that ADHD and trauma survivor that I am, uh, mm-hmm. how I interact with, the reactions around how I react in a situation is, is important for me to understand my physiology and my, my psychology at this psychology. I tried to say three words at the same time and my psychology (laughs) together. And, uh, to use that as a, as a, as an understanding lens that I'm looking through something somebody else doesn't see. And so, you know, I, I often use the idea of perspective with my students that what the teacher sees, you don't see. And I, I demonstrate that through putting them all in one corner of the room. I tell them, mm-hmm. notice what you see and notice what you don't see. And then we move over to the other corner of the room and we do the same thing. The room is true mm-hmm. no matter what. There are some things you can yeah. see that this person cannot see. They cannot know because of their perspective. They just It is blocked yeah. to them because they don't understand it. And to, to get that idea of perspective in that there's things I don't see uh, because of where I'm standing. I'm, I'm physically blocked from that understanding. Uh, yeah. And what's on the other side of that block is just as real, even though I can't see it. Um, yeah. And getting that perspective into theology, there's things in theology I can't see and understand because of where I've, where I am in history and who I am. Yeah. And um, gathering that from other people, we, we're not going to have a conception of God from ourselves we cannot we have to we have to take that perspective from other people and understand how they see god through scripture as well as how the spirit Mm -hmm. reveals himself to us and we have to listen to that sometimes they say things that are directly contrary to the word and that's where we draw the line we can't Mm -hmm. go past here this is the spot Mm -hmm. but between where i am and where that spot is there's got to be information i don't have so why don't i have that information yeah. how does this play it's such an important mm-hmm. part of our faith and our walk uh, and that's part mm-hmm. of the reason we do this kind of this this podcast this reason that this podcast exists is to sample our way through those concepts and conversations and uh and so i've with all of that said that's me rambling again hey 
cool. <laughs> My diagnosis plays out again. Uh, <laughs> and it's, and it's just the way I function. And so I yeah. hope you all understand that that's where this is coming from, that, that this is so integrated together. Um, and, and I said it in the last episode, we cannot afford to lose our perspective that everything is integrated together. Yes, we are made of parts, but we are made of parts that make up a one whole and we can't yeah. prioritize anything there. Uh, and so, you know, there's a thought to think about. Um, we may split this into two episodes. We're approaching an hour and a half right now. So I might do that. Uh, I do want to say one more yeah. time. I said thank you already. but I will say it again because this is it. as usual. I'm leaving an episode more pumped up than I started it. Um, there's there's that <laughs> that extrovert side coming out. I love the conversation. Uh, and so, yeah. again, thank you. Uh, it has been fascinating. And there's so I mean, this could be a longstanding running podcast. Just this this one conversation could be a multi-year <laughs> conversation, yeah. you know, and uh, looking at different little parts of it. But this is just an yeah. overview, folks. Uh, there's so much more to it. Uh, and I pray that as you as you dig into the word yourself, that you will see, you know, as we just mentioned a minute ago, that idea of of what Colossians is saying, that everything is to be reconciled to God through Christ. And through his blood that shed on the cross for us uh, and, and to, to see that, the, you know, taking that and combining it with the ideas that we have in Romans 5, 8 and in John three sixteen that the reason that Christ was there shedding his blood to make peace is the love of God. And to, to, to pull all of that together into uh, meditation material for you and prayer material for you uh, and inspection, you know, that that's a really good magnifying glass to put on yourself. Uh, and a good way to approach it. So with that, I want to say uh, thank you all for listening. I pray that uh, this has been fruitful to you and to your mind and to your spirit and that the Lord will uh, bring fruit out of it. And until we have another episode, hopefully next week, we'll see it's summer after all. Everybody have a great week. Thanks. And so that is it. That is the end of our anthropology series. Thank you for listening. Those of you that have heard the whole series, uh, we definitely want to thank you. Share this series with other folks. This is a series that touches on some topics that we don't often talk about in the Christian world. So I encourage you to invite friends to come listen to this. You can also help us out by following us and by subscribing to the podcast and by making comments on various social media feeds and on the different podcast catchers. We can be found on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram as at Simmer Thoughts. And you can find us at our website, simmeringthoughts.podbean.com. Thanks for listening.